I think we're light years ahead of where we were this time last year. Um, you know, one of our goals is, as as we talked during the offseason, is to kind of pick up offensively where we left off with those exceptions of, at the end of games, closing it out, finishing. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena, and I, of course, follow your New York Giants for you on behalf of Inside Football, SB Nation, Forbes, The Maven, and others. You can find me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trena. You can take part in our weekly Twitter mailbags by sending me questions, making sure you're tagging them, Ask P Train. Or if you just want to drop a line and talk football, you know, in general like this, I'm always on Twitter. You know, look me up, drop me a line, love to hear from you. So for today's show, um, we are going to play some clips from the assistant coach's availability. And at the stop at the top of the program, you heard offensive coordinator Mike Shula, who voluntarily, you know, and this this is kind of, you know, unusual for Shula. But uh, usually um, when Shula speaks to the media, he waits for a question to come in before he starts to, you know, speak. Uh, this time around, he stepped right up and he said, hey, look, you know, I want to say something and, you know, expressing confidence and excitement over where the offense is currently headed as they head into year two. And rightfully so. If you remember from last year, the Giants finished up their last four games, having scored 102 points which was first amongst NFC East teams. And that was including um, 102 points that included a shutout loss. So you can only imagine how much better that number would have been had they not been shut out. And Eli Manning, to whom the coaches have already committed for the start of the 2019 season, Eli logged 11 interceptions, which was his lowest total since he threw 10 in 2008. He had... 4,299 passing yards, which was the fourth time out of the last five years. He's topped the 4,000 mark. And he also had a career high 66 percentage, uh, uh, 66 completion percentage mark. So a lot of things to be optimistic about in year two. And Mike Shula spoke about some of that. You know, he mentioned, you know, the addition of Golden Tate. He mentioned, he mentioned, um, the the continued growth of Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram and and really you know I, I found it interesting that that uh, you know the optimism you know I knew the optimism would be there but just the whole presentation and and feel for that and I want to play another clip from Shula about what it is that makes him feel so good about year two in the system and then we'll come back and talk about it. You know, that first year when you get together, there's a lot of, you know, hey, you know, how do you want to do it? Now we can go back, hey, how did we do it last year? How can we do it better? Um, plus the fact that guys aren't thinking, you know, even right now, they're not thinking about formations. They're not thinking about movements, all the pre-snap stuff. It's, it's uh, 
now they're thinking about, okay, what's my job after the ball snap? How do I react against certain looks? And that's the goal. That's where we want to get. And the quicker we get to that, I think the, you know, the faster we'll play and, and uh, hopefully the better we'll play because of it early. All right, so the Giants' offense looking to build on what they started last year, and Mike Shula apparently feeling that the Giants will play quicker. Apparently, uh, in the work that they have done so far this offseason, he's seen them practice faster, practice more efficiently, and just looking to build upon it. Now, obviously, the Giants' offense did undergo a little bit of a change from last year. Gone is Odell Beckham Jr., obviously. Uh, they also have a new offensive lineman in Kevin Zeitler at right guard. And uh, it was just interesting because Mike, uh, I'm sorry, Hal Hunter, uh, the offensive line coach, spoke glowingly about uh, Zeitler and what he brings to the table, potentially. And uh, I think he's really going to make a difference. And I'm going to play that clip for you in just a moment. But uh, Zeitler, you know, when, when you think in terms of Saquon Barkley in the run game, um, last year, a lot of what Saquon Barkley did in the running game, he did on his own accord. You know, he had to make do with, with very little in front of him. Zeitler is going to help him with that. So I think uh, between Barkley having uh, maybe better run blocking in front of him and also apparently a commitment by the coaches to use Barkley in some wide receiver type of roles. Um, you're going to see a whole new dimension to the offense, really one that we started to look at and see last year, but just for whatever reason, never transferred over from the um, from the spring to the summer and then to the regular season. And uh, I do apologize, folks. I thought I had the clip of Hal Hunter talking about uh, Kevin Zeitler. I don't have it, at least not a clean copy of it. But what I do have is what he said. So let me just read off what he said about Zeitler. Um, and I quote, he is very demanding of guys around him in a positive way. You demand in yourself what you demand in others. I love that about him. I love everything about him, his personality and what he brings. He is so much fun to coach, end quote. Okay, so Zeitler, um, you know, as everybody probably knows, he was Pro Football Focus's top-rated guard last year. You know, the Giants acquired him from the Cleveland Browns in the trade with uh, for Olivier Vernon. Um, just a tremendous upgrade at that right tackle, uh, excuse me, right guard position. And, you know, speaking of uh, the right side, you know, you look at last year and you look at the left side and how Nate Solder at left tackle brought Will Hernandez along to the point where Hernandez was, you know, soon able to, to function on his own. And regardless, I think, of what happens at the right tackle spot, you're going to have a similar situation with Seitler where he's just going to bring whoever is next to him, you know, whether it's uh, Big George, whether it's Chad Wheeler, whether it's Mike Remmers, whether it's somebody, you know, to be determined. I just think that Zeitler is going to bring that guy along, help him out, and really, you know, get on the same page with them. And that right side is just going to actually be okay when all is said and done. Okay, there's one more quote that I want to play uh, from Mike Shula. And this this one actually um, made headlines on uh, on Wednesday. This was um, Shula being asked about uh, Daniel Jones and if he was in different circumstances, is he a day one starter in the league? And, you know, 
in some places I saw this quote kind of being twisted a little bit, but so I want to play the entire quote for you and just, you know, come back and talk about it afterwards. So here's the quote and then I'll be right back. I think he'd be ready to go. That's my personal opinion. I do. I think that, um, you know, he's now I, I would say this, um, you know, cause times have changed. Like you said, times have changed, you know, in the years past, you, you draft a guy or whenever you drafted him, even if it was that early, you know, those guys would, you know, traditionally not play until their second or third year. But really ever since probably what, six or seven years ago, you started seeing more guys playing early. Um, but I think he has that capability. Um, obviously, with any young guy, whether or not it's Daniel or whoever you have, I think you have to uh, make sure that those guys, you give them, you find out what they can do best and get them on the field doing that to start with and then go from there. But um, I think he's got that capability, yeah. Okay, so I've had a few people ask me about that quote and suggest that there might be a quarterback controversy brewing here. And I really think, you know, in, in looking at the entire transcript, in looking at that quote, let's put this into perspective, okay? Shula was asked if he thinks, you know, Daniel Jones is, is capable of being a day one starter if the circumstances were different. The circumstances being if he didn't have an Eli Manning sitting in front of him, could Daniel Jones be ready? And he said that, you know, yeah, I think he'd be ready to go. But with that said, some people, I think, have taken that quote to mean that, you know, there's going to be a competition and that there is a chance that Daniel Jones will, you know, unseat Eli Manning as the opening day starter. That is not going to happen. I mean, the only way Eli Manning is not the starter in September is if the Giants, you know, if, if there's an injury and Eli can't go. But, you know, Head coach Pat Shermer, general manager Dave Gettleman, they've all said that Eli is going to be their guy. You know, he's going to continue to play for as long as that team is in the playoff hunt. And, you know, will there be an opportunity for Daniel Jones to get on the field? Sure, probably if there's like a blowout or something or or maybe, you know, if God forbid the team gets knocked out of playoff contention. But, you know, Right now, folks, there's just no quarterback controversy. I know some of you, you know, asked about that. I just don't see that happening. This was simply a case of Mike Shula throwing a bouquet of roses at Daniel Jones for having impressed at the rookie minicamp. Does it mean that, you know, he's going to be this, that he could be the starter? You know, if Eli wasn't in, ahead of him? Well, really, what do you want the coach to say? Do you want him to say, no, he's not going to be ready? So I just think we need to pump the brakes a little bit and not read too much into what was said there. Eli Manning is going to be the starter, assuming he's healthy. Daniel Jones will get his playing time, you know, in due course. And until then, it's just going to be probably, you know, I think it'll be fun to watch, you know, Daniel Jones develop in the summer and see how far he comes from the uh, rookie minicamp to the end of the preseason. All right, folks, you're going to take a short break right now and when we come back we'll talk a little bit about the defensive side of the ball so stay with us hey giant fans if you've been enjoying the locked on giants podcasts coverage leading up to the nfl draft then i think you're really going to enjoy inside football inside football is a newsletter written and published by yours truly it's the longest-running, independently-credentialed publication devoting cover-to-cover -cover coverage of your New York football giants. 
a 26-issue subscription is available via email and offers monthly coverage during the off-season and weekly coverage starting with training camp through the end of the regular season, with playoff coverage included as needed. This month, we're making a special offer available to the Locked On Giants podcast family. We're offering a three-issue trial, starting with our April Draft Preview, which offers a targeted look at prospects that might be a good value and fit for Big Blue. This trial also includes a post-draft analysis and rookie minicamp report, which is published in May, and an OTA full-team minicamp report published in June. For more information, including a link on how to get a free sample issue from last year's coverage, please visit www.insidefootball.com slash locked on. Inside Football, for the best informed Giant fan. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. You're with Patricia Trena, and I'm playing for you some select clips from the coaches' availability that was on Wednesday, and uh, just, you know, offering a couple of thoughts on, you know, what the coaches had to say. So uh, always good to hear what the assistant coaches have to say. It's um, it's, it's like Christmas because, you know, you get – Number one, you don't hear from them that often, and number two, you know that you you get uh, you get to hear you know different perspectives. So it's nice to hear a different voice every once in a while, and you know certainly I enjoy it, and I hope you are enjoying it as well. So um, in this next segment, I want to turn to the defensive side of the ball, and I want to start off with a quote from um, from defensive coordinator James Betcher on what he anticipates the defense of 2019 being like. So let's play that clip and uh, we'll talk about it afterwards. Yeah, I I think it can be, um, if I'm sitting back and I'm hoping what it can be, I'm hoping it can be an aggressive attacking defense that dictates to. And as I look at where it's at today and moving forward tomorrow, I believe that's what it can be. Okay, so basically, if you remember what James Betcher had to say last year about how he envisioned his defense taking shape, really no change from last year. Now, what has changed from last year, obviously, is the Giants added what they think are a few additional pieces to give him that attacking, aggressive-style defense. Um, Last year, a big problem for James Betcher was that the defensive secondary had trouble holding their coverage, um, which, you know, affected the pass rush. That's why a lot of times you saw, uh, you know, the pass rush maybe getting to the quarterback, but the quarterback getting the ball out of his hands quickly. And that was because, you know, a receiver was, was usually open um, in the, from amongst the back seven. Um, you were also going to see hopefully a more aggressive style pass rush that, that hits home a little bit more. Uh, part of the problem last year, the injury to uh, Olivier Vernon obviously hurt the defense in that regard, as did the fact that they had a couple of young guys. They had um, Lorenzo Carter, who was you know just coming in, starting to build up his resume. Um, they were counting on Kareem Martin as as you know a, a contributing factor, and he really didn't contribute in that regard. So, really, the Giants 
Um, they did what they, you know, what I thought they would do in the draft in terms of adding defensive players. They added also Marcus Golden in free agency to help with that pass rush. But uh, really, you know, when you look at what they've done for the pass rush, it's got to come from all three levels. And uh, if it doesn't come from all three levels, basically you're going to have a repeat of what happened last year where, you know, it might look like guys get home, but but the quarterback gets rid of the ball uh, quickly. So they really have to make sure that they get all three levels working in tandem. And um, this is actually something that Betcher talked about when, um, you know, he was asked, well, you know, look, you traded away Vernon, you don't have Damon Harrison, you don't have Eli Apple, you don't have Landon Collins. So where exactly is this pass rush going to come from? And Betcher in this following clip spoke about the importance of building up a resume and how, you know, guys don't necessarily come into the league with their resume already established. So here's that clip uh, from Betcher about that building of the resume. OV didn't have a resume until he built it, right? So Lorenzo Carter's got to build his resume, right? Uh, Marcus Golden's got to continue building his resume. So that's the only way that happens. Uh, OV wasn't just day one came in the league and became a pretty, wasn't just day one a dynamic pass rusher. He had to build that resume. And the only way guys get a chance to do that is this opportunity on the field and snaps. And just getting their, getting their butt coached off then taking the coaching. So I find it kind of interesting, you know, in one regard, Betcher talks about you can't go on hope, that hope is the strategy, but you also have to talk about, you know, building a resume up, you know, hope that these guys build up a resume. Now, on paper, what the Giants have done to their defense does look promising, but again, it's on paper. It is all based on hope, and I think that's kind of a dangerous proposition because, look, we've seen what happens when you have a bunch of new faces and a bunch of new, you know, people working together, sometimes it takes a little longer for the, uh, for, for the unit to, to gel. And we saw that with the offense last year. We saw that to a degree with the defense. So I think one of the things that I'm curious to see is how quickly Betcher can get this, his defense to gel together. Because I just think that, you know, while, again, while the talent is there, it's it's really going to be a risky type of proposition because they need that group to come together fairly quickly and, um, you know, start playing like a cohesive unit. And it's just going to be interesting to see how he pulls that all together with the different packages. And, of course, you know, you've got to also allow for injuries because, you know, injuries are going to happen. You also have to allow for, you know, maybe newcomers that might be coming in. So a uh, lot of lot of uncertainty, I think, for the defense you know, optimism, yes, but uncertainty, yeah, a lot of it. So we're going to take our final break. And when we come back, I have one more clip I want to play for you. And then we will call it a show. So stay with us. Welcome back to segment three of Locked on Giants. I'm Patricia Trana, and I'm playing for you a variety of clips from the assistant coaches speak on Wednesday. Hope you're enjoying the program. And uh, I just want to play one more clip from defensive coordinator James Betcher. And this was a clip um, when he when he revealed this. I was actually very happy to hear this. This is a clip about 
Janoris Jenkins, who is the last man standing from the 2016 big spending spree that the team went uh, and, and, you know, launched. And I got to admit, folks, I didn't think Janoris Jenkins was going to make it through this this year. I, I was surprised that he was even on the roster um, at this point. I thought for sure they would maybe go with, a you know, e- either a lower price veteran or, you know, maybe even, um, you know, run the risk with these younger, more aggressive pups. But, you know, the Giants made the decision to keep Janoris Jenkins. Um, he has uh, been entrusted with teaching these guys, helping these guys, you know, become uh, professionals. And James Betcher basically spoke glowingly about uh, the job Janoris Jenkins has done. So let's hear from him on that. I learned this from Coach Shermer. Hope is not a strategy. And I'll say that because this, as I have watched through phase two work, Janoris has been not great. He's been unbelievable with our young guys. He has had great teachable moments where as a coach, just let it go because he's got it. You're, You're starting to go coach one of the young guys and Janoris is already on it. And I see that. I see the ownership in year two that he's starting to take with those guys and it's just it's outstanding and it's going to help us be a better defense not just those guys be better better players themselves okay so a glowing review from james betcher on uh, janoris jenkins who you know last the last couple of years now granted jenkins had some injury issues um last year he uh you know, he had the unfortunate off the field incident going on, which I'm, you know, I, I have to think weighed heavily on his mind, you know, involving his brother and, and the loss of his friend and whatnot. But, um, you know, Janoris Jenkins, it when he is on, he is a fantastic player. And, you know, we saw that in 2016 and then, you know, kind of got away from that a little bit. He got suspended in 2017 by then head coach Ben McAdoo, um, you know, and then, like I said, the injury issues started popping up. But again, uh, if you go back to last year, Janoris Jenkins got off to a slow start. He later would attribute that to some sort of injury. Um, he never did say what the injury was, but he did say that he got better as the season went on. And uh, it, it showed, you know, he started to perform better. So, you know, Really, the best thing Janoris Jenkins can do, in addition to coaching these young men on the field, is set a good example in the locker room. You know, whether that's being the first one in, the last one out, doing an extra set of reps in the weight room, you know, watching extra film, whatever the case may be, Janoris Jenkins is going to be a key contributor to this particular uh, group of defensive backs. And it's a big reason why they kept them, you know, in, in retrospect, because again, at the start of the year, if you had said to me, well, will they keep him? I would have probably said no, not at, at the price that they're paying for him. But uh, sometimes, look, um, people don't want to hear this. But that's one of the reasons why last year they invested the way they did in Jonathan Stewart to serve as a leader and a mentor and to teach the young pups how to be professionals. And really, it's the same kind of situation with Janoris Jenkins. You know, he's, he's pricey. He's probably not going to be on this team beyond this year, um, you know, because at that point, you figure Sam Beal will probably be ready to start alongside of DeAndre Baker. 
but uh, you can't put a price on leadership, especially when it comes from your peers. And the Giants are certainly taking that approach and hoping that it works out for the best as, as it did last year for them. You know, maybe not on the field per se again with Stewart, but Stewart was a big part of, you know, establishing that locker room culture and bringing it together. So if Jenkins can do the same thing within the cornerback room, then it will have been worth the investment to keep him and to, you know, to bring him along. All right, folks, on that note, we will call it a show. I want to invite you to stay tuned uh, for tomorrow's show. We've got Dean Blandino, former NFL vice president of officiating, will be on the program. He's going to talk a little bit about the state of the officiating. He's going to discuss a new project that he's involved with, a short documentary called Her Turf, which follows the plight of a couple of female officials as they try to advance up the ranks. So really interesting stuff. I hope you're going to enjoy that. As always, I appreciate you listening to the program and we'll talk to you again soon. Take care.